You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Welcome back to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is Garrett Ashley Mullet coming to you from Greeley, Colorado. But you know that. You listen to this show. You know that that's how I open every episode. Should I skip it? A question at the top of this episode. Should I start skipping the telling you that I'm coming to you from Greeley, Colorado for season three, episode 183, 250, not quite, 250 minus two, 248 of the Garrett Ashley Mullet show. Is that a comforting routine? Sometimes routines are comforting. It's a true story. I mean, you do something even that's enjoyable, that's out of your norm, and it can be kind of exhausting, right? The process of trying to reinvent the wheel is kind of fun, but also if people don't feel like something is familiar, they might they might react to it. Uh, they might react by going to something else that, that is familiar or trying to find a new familiar. Anyway, that's a question. Question for everybody. You can hit me up, send me a message on Anchor, or email me at geardashleymullet at protonmail.com. Let me know what you think. In this episode, though, Tuesday morning, November 8th, 2021, I want to talk about some things that are in the news. Take a break from personal stories, celebrating my birthday, job situation, our family being the weird homeschool family with all the kids, what happened the year I was born, the origins of Halloween and all that kind of stuff. Let's talk a little bit more about the news for a change. I've got three stories I want to go over with you. The most important, I think, is this business with State Farm and Aaron Rodgers. If you haven't heard about that, it is a very refreshing story. Essentially, Aaron Rodgers, quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, I believe, made some statements publicly about why he it tends to remain unvaccinated. And of course, as is per usual with the left in this country, the cancel culture online and in broader society wanted State Farm to disassociate from Aaron Rodgers. They wanted Aaron Rodgers canceled, no more sponsorship for you, like the soup Nazi, no sponsorship for you. Uh, cancel Aaron Rodgers because he dared to communicate uh, wrong speak, wrong think, like it's 1984. But I'm going to save that story. We're going to save that one for last. We'll talk about that last because I want to talk about it a lot more. I want to say more about it and not feel constrained for time. And I don't want to miss these other two stories that are also important. So first of all, we've got 
A piece from theblaze.com by Chris Pandolfo, November 8th, 2021. That is yesterday from when I'm recording this podcast. And the headline is Pelosi stops mid-speech after Republican laughs at claim build back better bill will reduce the debt. I'm going to play for you a clip of Nancy Pelosi giving a speech on the House floor and then stopping mid-speech to ask if somebody just laughed. Take a listen. It will be one of the most significant legislative undertakings that any of us have ever been part of. And I say that with great proprietary uh, attitude toward the Affordable Care Act, where it's transformative and historic. This is even bigger than that. In fact, it strengthens the Affordable Care Act. So if you're talking about how we want to have immediate and enduring difference for the workers and families, creating jobs, securing middle-class tax cuts, lowering costs for families, and making the wealthiest pay their fair share, all the while contributing to reducing the national debt, making everyone pay their fair share. Did I hear a laugh over there? Did I hear a laugh from those who added $2 trillion in tax cuts for the richest people in America, 1%, 83% of it going to the top 1%? This is paid for and more than paid for. So a couple points on this claim by Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. First of all, the idea that you are going to spend your way into prosperity as the federal government has been tried. And what is it that we have right now to show for it? We have massive inflation. That's what we have. Is that how you're planning on reducing the national debt by causing such out of control, massive, extraordinary inflation that the national debt by comparison is actually worth less because every dollar is worth less. It doesn't work that way. It really doesn't work that way. What you're doing is you're throwing out a red herring to change the subject from the fact that you are spending money now in the trillions. You're not content anymore to spend money in the millions and billions. We got to escalate this to trillions because the numbers just don't mean anything anymore. It's like whose line is it anyway where the rules are made up and the points don't matter, except in this case, instead of points, it is dollars. The dollars don't matter. You just are improvising. You're just winging it. And a Republican laughs at the claim that this is all paid for. This is all more than paid for. This is actually going to reduce the national debt. And what is it that Nancy Pelosi does? She changes the subject from actually explaining how it is that this is going to reduce the national debt to this bogus claim that reducing the amount of money that you extract confiscatorily from the economy, from wealth creators in the economy, the actual wealth creators in the economy, that reducing the amount you extract from the economy is what actually increased the national debt. If we cut taxes $2 trillion, and that includes especially taxes on the wealthiest individuals disproportionately because they're the ones who pay taxes disproportionately, 
And a lot of people at the very bottom really don't effectively pay income taxes and a lot of other kinds of taxes. They get money back from the government. It's a massive wealth redistribution scheme. That is not the same thing as passing a nearly $2 trillion infrastructure bill. It's just not. It's not the same thing. If, if I come to you and I say, hey, which increases the national debt more? Me paying you $200 or me taking $200 away from you? Either way, it's just a, it's a silly question to ask. And it's a red herring. It's supposed to confuse you. It's supposed to throw you for a loop. You're supposed to be scratching your head like, well, wait a second, you know, two, two trillion over here, two trillion over there, $200 here, $200 there. But at the end of the day, what exactly is your fair share of what someone else has earned, as Thomas Sowell asks? Talk about the rich paying their fair share. Who are the rich? You've got Democrat lawmakers now admitting that in order for Biden's adventurous, ambitious plan to actually work, in order for the math to work, you're going to have to, have to, have to raise taxes on the middle class. You're just going to have to. You can't tax the rich enough, particularly when a lot of rich people who have the means and they have the opportunity and they certainly have the motive once you give it to them are going to leave this country and take their money with them rather than fork it all over to you so that you can paint Black Lives Matter murals on streets and put conservatives through the ringer judicially. Haul them into court for ridiculous things and take all of their money. The idea that this socialism is going to create wealth is a bankrupt idea. And we will be a bankrupt country for going along with it. The idea that 13, by accounts that I heard, namely from Ben Shapiro, 13 House Republicans voted to go along with Biden's signature infrastructure plan, basically bailing out Nancy Pelosi, is precisely why I do not describe myself as a Republican. I don't self-identify as a Republican. It's jokers like that who I don't want to be associated with, and I would not vote for them. I would sooner vote for an honest Democrat who's going to tell you on the front end that they're a socialist, then vote for a Republican who is squishy and spineless and an invertebrate. I'm sorry. I at least know what we're getting if we get a radical Democrat like AOC. AOC now, by the way, wants to cancel the term woke. You know that things are getting bad for the Democrats when they want to cancel their term, their own term, because the optics are increasingly bad. Oh, let's just change the language. Let's rebrand. See how that works. AOC tweets out, woke is a term pundits are now using as a derogatory euphemism for civil rights and justice. No, 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 no. Nice try. Nice try. If you can control the language and define the terms, you can win the debate, but we're not going to give you that one. She continues, making up a woke problem results in putting civil and voting rights on the back burner. And a year state legislatures are planning out 
GOP majorities and voter suppression. That's dangerous. But we've got Republicans who are voting for extremely irresponsible spending bills, wealth redistribution schemes, social engineering schemes by a senile resident of the United States of America. Right. Now, meanwhile, here's a, a very clear-cut, obvious, common-sense question. At a time when gas prices are skyrocketing, natural gas prices to heat your home through the winter are going to go sky high. They're going to go absolutely through the roof. It is going to be painful. At a time when fueling up your vehicle to take a trip to grandma's house for Thanksgiving, to go to the mountains for your 15th anniversary, whatever, whatever it is that you're going to do. At a time when gas prices are the highest they've been in seven years, Biden's press secretaries get asked questions about what are you planning to do to bring gas prices down? And they can't come up with anything. Uh, let's change the subject. <laughs> uh, what's that over there? Oh, look, a distraction. Oh, look, a change of subject. The Epoch Times reports, also yesterday by Jack Phillips, Biden administration weighs shutting another pipeline, White House confirms, Deputy Press Secretary confirms, Biden administration reviewing environmental impact. The Biden administration is reviewing shutting a pipeline in Michigan after anonymously sourced reports said federal officials were quietly studying its potential environmental impact. So it's not enough, then, that you shut down the Keystone XL. That project is officially kiboshed. It's no longer on hold. Maybe we'll get back to it here in a few years. No, no. It's kiboshed. Pull the plug. Cry uncle. Tap out. We're done. We give up. Call it a wash. That's a sunk cost. And it's, it doesn't make sense to wait around for that to become feasible again. As gas prices are going through the roof and this administration is asking OPEC, OPEC, the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, to produce more oil to bring gas prices down. So you can produce it over there, produce it in the Middle East, produce it in Venezuela, produce it literally anywhere except for Canada and the United States because Marxism because our countries are too wealthy and prosperous and consumptive and the developing world needs to produce oil and we need to buy it from them instead of producing our own and they can produce their own. We are going to buy it from them just to screw over the American people, just to bring our consumption down. That's the plan. That's the big, hairy, audacious goal, the BHAG. Let's stop producing it here because that would make energy cheaper. And then we would travel more and we would buy more and we would consume more and we would build more and we would live more and we would have more children probably. And that's the problem with the world is that we are just too wealthy. And the way you've got to fix that is by screwing up our supply chain and sending your 
transportation secretary on six months of paid paternity leave because he and his gay life partner adopted a child, put that guy in charge of infrastructure, even though he has no experience whatsoever, just because he's a homosexual and you want to signal to the world that, hey, America's back. Look at this. We're back. Back in what way? On our back? Like what? Screw up the supply chain, put the screws to energy companies, oil and gas and coal companies in America. Ask our competitors around the world to produce our energy for us so it's more expensive. Spend money like it's going out of style. And then look at closing down a pipeline coming out of Canada that transports 500,000 barrels of oil a day. I should say crude oil and other petroleum-based products. It's all mixed together. It's going to come down here. It'll get separated out. But that's the kind of reasoning and logic that the Democrats in Congress and in the White House are making decisions based off of. If it doesn't make sense when gas prices are going through the roof to make war administratively, bureaucratically, on oil and gas companies that need to be exploring and producing, extracting, transporting oil and gas here in this country, if it doesn't make sense to be closing down pipelines bringing oil from Canada to this country, all the while encouraging OPEC, if it doesn't make sense from a national security or national prosperity or American flourishing standpoint, that's because that's not what's driving them. What's driving them is a radical social justice agenda. For the same reasons that they're pushing CRT in public schools, they're also trying to cure America of any notion that it is a better country than the worst countries in the world. Afghanistan, here. Taliban, ISIS, here. Please have a trillion dollars worth of investment. Have $2 trillion worth of investment and 20 years worth of blood and treasure that we put into trying to make this country feasible and also not a terrorist sanctuary. China, here. Here you go. Here are the rare earth metals that the world needs badly in the future economy in the next industrial revolution, the fourth industrial revolution, as they call it. Please, here, you have control of it. You have access to it. All the while we'll claim we're getting out of Afghanistan and we're giving you and literal terrorists, the Taliban and ISIS and Al-Qaeda, the country, as a way of combating terrorism, as a way of combating China and confronting the threat of Russia and Iran and China. It doesn't make sense because their line of reasoning is along totally bass-ackwards lines. It just is. A bright spot in all of this is the fact that a lot of Americans are waking up to this and they're very, very upset. It took them long enough, but Maybe just maybe the pushback 
has some legs and will be enduring. And we won't just push back enough to get breathing room for ourselves. We'll take the long view and realize, no, 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 no. You got to kill the snake, not just wound it, not just whack it in the head. And then it scampers off and it comes back to bite you another day. No, kill the snake. Kill this Marxist ideology dead in its tracks. Pull your kids out of the public schools. Don't lobby your school board and get put on a terrorist watch list by the FBI. Buy my book, and this is why we homeschool. Available on paperback from Amazon.com and a lot of other online bookstores. Available on ebook from pretty much anywhere you can get ebooks online. Not just Amazon, but including Amazon, their Kindle store. Buy my book, and this is why we homeschool. Get your kids out. Raise the next generation to value America. Not because America should become an idol, but because America was great due to the embracing of good ideas, good values, right ways of thinking, right ways of relating. Not perfect, but the proof of the pudding is in the eating. The folks who want to say that the whole history of this country is a tale of economic oppression, a lot of those folks don't realize that they too were indoctrinated with a Marxist ideology in their formative education. They didn't know that it was Marxism, but it was Marxism. They didn't realize they were getting a Marxist indoctrination, but they did. They think America is bad because America is wealthy. And this is not something that Christians are immune to. Christians, far too many, jump on the bandwagon of bashing America for being wealthy and strong and confident. And those are not bad things to be. Now, our confidence should be in the Lord. But quite frankly, if you look at the history of this country, our confidence was to a far, far, far greater extent in the Lord before we started flirting with Marxism. You got to think about that. Capitalism can be abused just like anything in God's creation can be abused. Anything that man touches. Marriage can be abused. Does that mean we should give up on marriage? Parenting can be abused. Does that mean we should give up on parenting? The solution is not to jump on the bandwagon of bashing America and claiming that every other country that stands in stark contrast to us is morally or spiritually superior to us. That is not doing the good Lord's work. Now, there might be ways that other countries are getting it right, that we are at the moment not getting it right, or historically have not gotten it right. But here's the kicker about Western civilization. If you really do study Western civilization from the Greeks on up to the present, what you'll find is what made the Greeks and the Romans so enduring and so dominating from a political, social, cultural, artistic, intellectual, and military standpoint was the fact that the Greeks and the Romans were willing to listen to a good idea from somebody else and then adopt that. The Marxists don't like this. They call it cultural appropriation. And somehow you can be guilty of the sin of whiteness, the original sin of thinking like a white person, and also at the same time be condemned for imitating aspects of some other culture that's not centered in Northern Europe. I don't know how that works. I don't know how that, I, I don't know how they 
hold those two ideas in their head at the same time. But that is just the issue. It's nonsense. It's a, a lot of smoke and mirrors to cover up for the fact that Marxists are envious and jealous and they would rather have half of a dead baby than the other gal get a whole live one. SNL airs clown abortion skit. That's another thing that's in the news right now. SNL airs clown abortion skit, which is not funny, by the way. It's gross. It's gross. And it's the product of people who have lost their damned minds. There's this story, and I've talked about it a few times on the podcast, and you should be familiar with it if you've read your Bible. And if you haven't read your Bible enough to be familiar with the story, you need to read your Bible more. But there's this story from the Old Testament in which how wise God had made Solomon is put on display. And just to back up a little bit, to give you a little bit more context, Solomon is the son of David and Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. David is camping out back at home, back at the palace when he should be out in the field, should be out leading his troops in their military campaign. They're out in the field. He should be out in the field with them. But he's hanging back for some reason, kicking back, relaxing, taking some R&R, taking a vacation, whatever it is. And while he's on vacation, he looks out over the city and he sees a beautiful woman taking a bath on the rooftop. And he sees her and he wants her and he has her sent for. And when she comes to him, he has his way with her and gets her pregnant. And it just so happens that she is the wife of a faithful servant of David's. So then David's got to cover it up, just like any politician would. He calls Uriah back from the front lines. Hey, you should stay with your wife. You should get some R&R as well, right? You really need a break. You should take it easy. Spend some time with your wife. Uriah is so honorable, he says, no, 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 I couldn't possibly do that. The men are in the field and I should be with them. Ooh, ouch. That's going to sting right where it hurts because you're having the attitude that David should have right now. David should be out in the field leading his men and not back at the palace taking other men's wives from rooftops. So Uriah not playing along, David has to come up with a plan B, no pun intended. David instructs that Uriah be put on the front line where the fighting is the fiercest and then his compatriots be pulled back, be given instructions to pull back and let Uriah be cut down. Now that's not much of a cover-up, to be quite honest with you, because all those men who are involved in doing this, they know that that's murder. They know that this is an assassination. They know that this is a setup and you're trying to make it look like an accident. But the guys who were given orders to fall back, they know that that is not an accident. And lo and behold, it works in the sense that Uriah is out of the way. And then David takes Bathsheba. And now she's his gal and she's carrying his baby. And God sends the prophet Nathan. There's a whole back and forth between Nathan the prophet and David in which the concluding remark after this story about a man with a large flock taking the only prized 
beloved lamb of a poor man who was his neighbor results in David saying, well, that man should be punished. And Nathan saying, you are that man. You are that man. You did this to Uriah the Hittite, and we all know it, and God knows it more importantly, and you've sinned against God, and you're going to be punished for it. There are consequences for what you've done, and you're going to pay those consequences. And not only you, but the child. And so what happens is the child dies, and David mourns, and he weeps, and he is broken by this. He's broken by his sin. He's broken by the effects of his sin writes a number of psalms, crying out to God, asking for forgiveness. Please, please forgive me. And here's the crazy thing. The, the, the crazy thing is there's only a few women who make it into the genealogy of Jesus. Bathsheba is one of them. And the others include Rahab the harlot, who let the spies hide out in her house when they came to scout out Jericho. Also, the daughter-in-law of Judah, Tamar, who pretends to be a prostitute in order to get her father-in-law to impregnate her after he gives her one of his sons after another after another and then refuses to give the last. Rather, I should say, Judah had given... Tamar, one of his sons, and then he died because he was wicked. And so then the tradition was that the next son was supposed to make sure that his sister-in-law had a a child, had, had some child to look out for her in her old age is really what it was about. Well, this second son didn't want to get his sister-in-law pregnant right away. And so he was being um, clever. He was being clever because he was going to try and uh, make this last as long as possible. And so God strikes him dead as well. Onan was his name. Onanism is the term that uh, comes from him. How would you like to be that guy? Have that be your legacy, Onanism. But God strikes him dead. And so then Tamar is expecting the next son. And Judah, for his part, is probably thinking, wait, 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 wait. Every time I give one of my sons to you, he winds up dead. Maybe, just maybe, I'm not going to give you my last, my third. And so she conspires to trick him. She pretends to be a prostitute on the side of the road. He gets her pregnant, and she ends up in the genealogy of Jesus. How crazy is that? But so also Solomon. And Solomon is the son of David and Bathsheba. After the first child is taken, is killed, really, by God as punishment, as judgment. And God is still just, by the way. Any of you atheists, agnostics, those of you who grew up on veggie tales and everything was sanitized for you and literally made into talking vegetables so that you could cope with reality, kind of, sort of, but not really. God kills that first child from the union of David and Bathsheba because there's a consequence for sin. Sin must be atoned for. 
Solomon, at a certain point, has two prostitutes brought to him because he's going to give judgment. He's going to weigh and measure their case and give a judgment between the two of them as to whose child this is. Both of these women had a child. Each of them had a child. One woman's child died in the middle of the night, probably due to not being taken good care of. So then all of a sudden, that woman, rather than admitting that her child had died, she tries to switch her child with the other woman's child, the roommates apparently. Well, the other woman says, no, 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 this isn't my child. This is your child that died. And you have my child and you're kidnapping my child to replace yours and to cover the shame of the fact that you weren't taking care of your child. And I don't want you to cause my child to die. Probably I'm speculating a little bit here and taking some license. Forgive me. But they bring this matter to King Solomon, who is wise. When God asks Solomon what gift he would like to be given as the son of David, because even though God judged sin in David's life and corrected him for all to see, because David was a man after God's own heart for all to see, and you have to judge, you have to make an example of his very, very public sin so that that is not associated with God in a way that diminishes reverence and our regard for the holiness of God. And yet, once Uriah is dead and the sin has been punished, David doesn't put away Bathsheba. He has another child with her. And that's that. And moving forward, that's just what it is. This is what it is. They're together now. She's still referred to as Uriah's wife, but what's done is done. And Solomon is asked by the good Lord to name what it is that he would like to be given as the son of David, the man after God's own heart. Solomon, for his part, asks for wisdom to rule this people and to govern this people. And God is so pleased with that. You could have asked for riches. You could have asked for peace. You could have asked for power. You asked for wisdom, which is so much better. So I'm going to give you all the rest as well. I'll give you wisdom and I'll give you all the rest as well. And so Solomon is judging between these two women, these two prostitutes who are both claiming that this child is theirs. And he makes this extraordinary decision. He calls for a sword to be brought and for the baby to be cut in two. Give half to this woman and give the other half to this woman. Ouch, that's harsh. That is brutal. But wait a second. One of the women says, no, 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 no. Please don't. Please don't. Just give her the whole baby. Please don't. And Solomon says, that woman is this child's mother. That woman is this child's mother. The woman who's ready to have half of a dead baby rather than a whole live one go to her rival has no business raising that child. You have no business raising that child. And you're just the sort of woman who would switch your dead baby with the other woman's because you're selfish. You only care about yourself. You don't love that child. You didn't love the child that died. You don't love this new child. You don't love anybody but yourself. You're selfish. You shouldn't be given charge over this baby either. We have in this country a whole lot of folks who would rather have half of a dead baby than a whole live one go to the other woman. We would rather institute Marxism and socialism and destroy 
wealth and destroy capitalism and destroy political freedom and destroy freedom of speech, freedom of association, freedom of thought, medical freedom, freedom of worship, the right to keep and bear arms. We would rather destroy every freedom we have than see other people enjoy something that we don't have because we're jealous, we're envious, we're covetous. We're breaking a very important commandment that God gives. Before you steal something that belongs to your neighbor, you covet it. And so God not only gives a Ten Commandment, one of the Ten Commandments, as thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not bear false witness. He gives the command that gets to the heart of it, to the root of why you would steal and murder and bear false witness and commit adultery. Because you are jealous because you covet what belongs to your neighbor, the good things that God has given your neighbor. You covet those things. And that is a sin against God because God gave those things, those blessings to your neighbor. And it's a sin against your neighbor, but it starts in the heart. And socialism and Marxism is predicated on embracing rather than rebuking the sin of coveting, the sin of envy. Let me say that again. Socialism, Marxism is predicated on the sin of coveting what rightfully belongs to your neighbor. That's the entire idea. The wealthy need to pay their fair share. Well, what is their fair share? That's an emotional trigger word that's designed to manipulate poor people into feeding their envy for those who have more than they do. Fair share. What number is that? Is that the same percentage as everybody else? No. Is it 99%? If they have 100 times as much as you do, is that 99% so that you, you have the same amount as they do? Everybody else gets a share of their stuff. You just divide up the spoils like a lot of Vikings or pirates. What is your fair share exactly of what someone else has earned? None. Short answer, none. If we all were paying a flat tax, however much you make, however little you make, this is what it is. That would be one thing. And you might say, well, where would our ability to build highways and bridges and infrastructure and aircraft carriers that we'll probably name after Harvey Milk or RuPaul? What's next? Harvey Milk now is a destroyer or some dumb thing just commissioned by a transgender veteran. Next thing you know, we'll have the USS RuPaul. Before we run out of time completely, real briefly, I want to talk about this story that is actually, it's good news. This is a good story. I like this story. And what it basically boils down to is that Aaron Rodgers, quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, went on some show, did an interview, and he explained why he intends to remain unvaccinated. Not comfortable with the talking points on the left among those who are pushing for the vaccine and pushing for vaccine mandates. He's not convinced. In fact, he's done his research and he thinks there's just something wrong with this. I'm not comfortable with this. I don't think this is the right decision. I would rather take my chances with COVID. Thank you. The left freaks out and they want Aaron Rodgers destroyed, just like they want anybody who disagrees with them on anything destroyed, which is precisely why they should be destroyed. <laughs> Coveting, we don't want anybody else having the right to say something that we don't feel for 
to say. And so we want to destroy anybody who says something that we don't feel free to say because we're so afraid of man and we're so wrapped up in our envy and our jealousy. But all too often, these kinds of stories turn into A, an apology from the celebrity who supposedly transgressed the new orthodoxy, whatever that is this moment, hour, day, week, month. The celebrity gives an apology. I am so sorry. I did not mean to hurt X community. I realize that many people were hurt by my words and I'm truly deeply sorry, truly madly deeply sorry. Please forgive me. Please, please, please forgive me. I knew not what I said. Stop it. Stop it. In my book, you've just lost all credibility. I have lost respect for you when you do that. You may have temporarily kind of sort of appeased the woke mob, but boy, howdy, everybody else thinks you're an idiot. The other thing that happens sometimes when a celebrity refuses to apologize for diverting attention away from the official talking points with their own genuine expression of thought and sentiment as an individual is that the corporate sponsors do abandon those celebrities. So if the left can't cancel you by getting you to abase yourself and kiss their rings, humble yourself and grovel before their feet, the teeming unwashed masses feet, they will go after the corporate sponsor and try to get them to make you knuckle under or punish you or destroy you, strip you of your revenue streams from sponsoring their product, from endorsing their product or their service or whatever, their brand. In this case, State Farm has had a relationship with Aaron Rodgers where he's been promoting their brand for, I think I read 10 years, something like that. For some time, he's been promoting their brand. And they said, we don't agree with everything that he just told everyone on this podcast or whatever. We don't agree with everything that he just said, but he has a right to communicate his own opinion. He's a, he has a right to his own opinion. And we are not going to cancel him. We're not going to distance ourselves from him. We're not going to pull our sponsorship from him. We're not doing it. Whoa. You don't say. What a novel idea. And in my view, State Farm, their stock just went up. Their stock just went up in my book. That was a good call. Aaron Rodgers, his stock went up in my book. If he continues to not cave in, if he continues to not apologize, not backpedal, maya culpa, maya culpa, don't do it. If we embrace that example, then cancel culture loses its power. Cancel culture has power to the extent that we give in to it. If you allow people to bully and terrorize you in order to get you to do what they want you to do, then they will continue to bully and terrorize you ad infinitum, forever. The only way to stop it is to stand up to it and to say, that's enough. No, no. These people have never heard the word no in their lives. They think the only person who should have the right to say no is they themselves. And they have to be taught a lesson. And I'm not talking about violence. I'm talking about 
stand your ground and say, uh-uh, fire me, cancel me, scream at me, whatever. No, help you. Have some courage. Have some guts. Fear God. Don't fear man. I got to leave it there, though. These episodes are getting long on average. I've somehow ticked back up to 48 minutes on average for the past 10 or so episodes. So we're going to have to scale it back down, scale it down again. Come on, simmer down, Garrett. As always, thank you to everyone who's listening. Until next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com. Thank you.